Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast, presented by Student Union Sports. Maybe it's because I had a team back in, in the playoffs, but there's something about this wild card weekend that was just extra draining. I mean, maybe it was the three games, maybe it was you know, a Colts game that went down to the wire. But Sunday night recording this podcast, I'm absolutely drained emotionally. Uh, But that's a good thing because it was a fun week of football, fun weekend of football. Um, And there's still the national championship game tomorrow night, so it doesn't stop. This was our reward, you know, back in quarantine, back in, in April and May, when there were no sports on, when there was nothing to watch. This is what we've been building to. I mean, I know there have been moments, you know, especially in in October when football and and basketball were happening at the same time and the and the World Series. Uh, but I feel like moments like this, weekends like this, are are what we live for, especially post uh, post quarantine, post no sports. But we've got a lot to get it, a lot to get into. Six games, like I said, uh, I'm gonna get through all of them, and then gonna get through the four previews of the games coming up. And we're first, we're going to start with the Colts-Bills. We're going to get that one out of the way. I mean, we'll probably go in chronological order, but uh, this was a tough one to swallow. I know for, for Colts fans out there, um, a lot of opportunities left on the board. But the thing I want to address first is, is talk about people questioning Frank's Reich dis, uh, Reich's decision-making, You know, going forward on that fourth and goal from the four-yard line at the end of the first half. The Colts absolutely dominated um, the entire first half, had a chance to go up 17-7, can't convert. Uh, a ball goes just past the outstretched hands of, of Mike Pittman Jr. And then Josh Allen and the Bills go 96 yards and take the 14-10 lead. And I knew instantly, you know, it, it was, we're in trouble, okay? We had our, our best half of football in a couple of weeks, maybe even months, um, and we're still down by four points not ideal. I mean, there were a couple of drop passes here and there, but you know, uh, like I said, a lot of people were questioning Frank Reich's, Reich's decision making in going for it on fourth down. And a couple things I'll say to that. First off, I mean, you obviously haven't seen a Colts game all season. Frank Reich makes his money off of being aggressive, and the Colts are 16 of 26 on fourth down this season, which is a pretty high percentage, all things considered. Um, and the biggest reason people are you know questioning it is because it didn't work out. I mean, if that pass is, is a, a, a bit closer to Mike Pittman, if Rivers puts it a little more on the money and we catch a touchdown, the whole vibe of the game is different. The, that that thing is, you know, that, that moment is said, wow, Frank Reich's aggressiveness really paid off in this situation. Not, wow, should they have should they have done in that situation? Should they have gone for it? We're just taking the points. And obviously it makes matters worse that the game was 24-27 at the final, but Rodrigo Blankenship also missed a 33-yard field goal. You know, it's not just on Frank Reich there. They had an opportunity to put it to a tie game. Um, but yeah, I, this was a game of missed opportunities. I think Philip Rivers didn't lose us the game. I wouldn't say he won us the game, um, but he didn't lose us the game, which is really all that we we could have wanted from him. There were a couple of drops from, from Jonathan Taylor, from Naheem Hines. Um, just overall, it was a game of missed opportunities. I thought the, the Colts played better save for a couple of really good drives. I mean, Josh Allen rolling out of the pocket, and, and this is something I said going into it, is that, you know, once we get three, four, five seconds, uh, and Josh Allen rolls into the pocket, he's going to, rolls out of the pocket, he's going to be able to pick our zone defense apart, which is exactly what happened. 
Um, all credit to him and the Bills. I mean, they played a great game. Josh Allen looked like he was throwing balls away, right? Just rolling out of the pocket. And then Gabriel Davis comes out of nowhere for, for a toe-tap catch. Um, I, I thought defensively, they did a decent job of getting pressure. Um, there, were, there were a couple injuries to cornerback, which uh, didn't help uh, keep pressure on, you know, especially Stephon Diggs absolutely burned DJ, uh, TJ Carey on a 40-yard on a touchdown. But I think there are just a couple moments there. Jonathan Taylor dropped a pass on third and five, ended up having to punt on that drive. Uh, that fourth and four that didn't work out, Rodrigo Blankenship's missed field goal. But probably the biggest one, just because it came in the, um, you know, the scheme of the game and, and, and came down to the wire, was that 15 or, uh, yeah, 15 yard sack we got on Josh Allen, forced a fumble, got the ball loose. Uh, and after that point, you know, after it was kicked by Al Qadid Muhammad, it's really anybody's ball. Um, and it went back to the Bills, right? And, and so that was kind of the whole scheme of things. There were, there were opportunities, but the ball just didn't bounce our way in more ways than one. Um, but on that Zach Pascal play, converting that fourth and 10, great throw by Rivers, by the way. It was absolutely a fumble. I 100% agree. Um, I, I think because the call on the field was fumble, they couldn't find enough evidence to overturn it. I personally thought it was a fumble. Uh, and so after that, I realized, you know, we're playing with house money. We're absolutely, you know, um, whatever happens, happens. I'm just happy to be here was literally what I kept repeating to myself uh, throughout most of the game. And being in the playoffs is fun. I hope the Colts figure out what to do at quarterback and can can make it back again next season and maybe go a little bit further. But it's fun. I felt like a kid on Christmas morning waking up, getting ready for the game. I was like, this is awesome. Uh, but for the Bills, like I said, Josh Allen is an absolute stud, 26 to 35, 324 yards and two touchdowns. And he also added in 11 carries for 54 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Uh, he did just about everything for this Bills team. Um, and because of that, you know, we talk about quarterback play will take you very far in the playoffs. And if he continues to play at this level, going up against the Ravens, a team that, you know, may struggle again, you know, against this, uh, against these deep threat receivers, you never know what, what could happen. So I like these bills. I do want to remind people at the beginning of the season, I said chiefs bills, AFC championship game, uh, and, and things are building up potentially towards that. So absolutely be on the lookout for that. Next game is a Ram Seahawks game. I mean, it's something we talked about all season long. There was a reason why the Rams, you know, when, when we had Jameis 101 on the podcast, there's a reason why the Rams were my number two trusted team in the playoffs. Now, I know Jared Goff fell off of, of a cliff a little bit the last few weeks in addition to his broken thumb. But I think all in all, uh, the Ravens did a really good job of generating pressure on Russell Wilson, was sacked five times, uh, and had was 11 for 27 uh, pass completions. And he was under pressure for literally all of the game couldn't generate anything going, get anything going. And the defense did a good job, forced a couple turnovers, a pick six off of a screen, which was an absolutely insane play. And they really weathered the loss of, uh, of John Wofford and having to play a Jared Goff, who is, should not be touching the field right now. I mean, the fact that he came into the game was incredible. The fact that they didn't have Blake Bortles on as the emergency quarterback was questionable to me because you know there's a chance that, that Wofford goes down. And if he goes down, um, uh, you know, Jared Goff may not be ready to play, but Wolford was good in, in spurts. Um, I still like, you know, if, if he's all ready to go next week, I heard he got a stinger. Everything was okay there. Um, then he may be the guy in this, in this Packers game. You know, Jared Goff did not look great. There were a couple of these throws. I mean, he had like a 40 yard pass to, to Cooper cup, but it was, 
it was this weird, like very underthrown ball where Cooper Cup straight up mossed Jamal Adams. Uh, so the 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 big key to this story was Cam Akers, and there was a lot of buzz around Cam Akers going into the season. Was pretty quiet for what the first twelve weeks, but has now kind of exploded into this lead back role. Had twenty eight carries for one hundred and thirty one yards and a touchdown today, uh, and was a big reason why the Rams were able to take down the Seahawks. Building an offensive and defensive line from the ground up has to be priority number one going into the offseason for the Seahawks. I mean, this is not a group that can keep Russell Wilson upright, and this is not a group that can consistently get pressure to the quarterback. Russell Wilson is going to be turning 32 next season, and, you know, guys, elite quarterbacks don't just fall out of the sky into the third round. So these next really five to eight years are critical for the Seahawks and making something happen, getting another deep postseason run, or else they run the risk of wasting a good chunk of Russell Wilson's prime years. The third game of the day was a game I felt pretty passionate about. Uh, Washington and, and Tampa Bay facing off. It was announced Taylor Heineke was going to start. And to gear up for this game, I rewatched the highlights from uh, the when he was thrust into the role in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth, against the Carolina Panthers. I watched the throw he make, throws he made. I watched how mobile he was getting out of the pocket. Uh, and I knew Washington had a really good chance to win this game. Uh, for and, and there was talk, you may have read my article I posted on Twitter. You can find it there. Um, but talking about Tom Brady playing in night games, uh, was 1-6 in, in his last seven and 0-7 oh against the spread uh, in such games because he goes to bed at 8.30. Uh, was a fun little article I wrote. Um, in addition to you know his, his team record and his overall team success when when he gets sacked three, sacked three or more times in a game. He got sacked three or more times in a game. Completion percentage wasn't there, but he threw for 381 yards. Uh, and the weapons he had were absolutely fantastic. But enough cannot be said about what Taylor Heineke in Washington has done this season. You know, uh, Alex Smith l- got them on this run that got them hot enough to make it into the playoffs. Ron Rivera was fighting cancer, taking treatments on the sidelines mid-games. Um, Antonio Gibson came out of nowhere and was an absolute star. This front seven is one of the best in the league, led by stud rookie Chase Young. Um, But really, all in all, you know, you can't fault them for a season like this. It sucks to come up short. Gibson didn't have his best game against what is a really good Tampa Bay pass rush uh, or run defense. But ultimately, you know, you come up short. But going into next season, there's a legitimate case for Taylor Heineke to be the starter. Right, He looked really good, really mobile, moving out of the pocket, was able to extend plays with his legs, led the team in rushing, six carries for 46 yards, and probably one of the best runs we've seen all postseason, maybe even all season, getting out to the left and full extension dive for the pylon to get the score. And there was a lot of juice behind this team. I mean, I felt like every opportunity, they they had a, a chance, you know, to maybe turn the tide, and they even had the ball last. You know, it was, it was everything... Um, had the makings for a a perfect you know comeback victory a massive deficit but they just couldn't close it out but it was you know a valiant effort by them if the run game gets going if they're able to you know get pressure to Tom Brady a little bit more maybe this is a different game but man you gotta like what you saw from this Washington team and they've got you know they'll have a good pick in the draft they're gonna have an opportunity to address some of these weaknesses in the offseason but you have to like the future of where this team is at and, and Ron Rivera's ability to build this culture in just really one season. I mean, this is a team that went from probably having one of the worst, you know, 
team cultures in the league to now one of the best uh, in a matter of of you know one full season it's absolutely incredible um, and not enough can be said about you know what they've done there moving on to Sunday's games Ravens Titans uh, this is this was a, a a weekend of firsts for a lot of these guys uh, Baker and the Browns got their first win in, in a number of years. Josh Allen and the Bills got their first win in the playoffs in a number of years. And Lamar finally, you know, got rid of of that stigma of not being able to win in the playoffs with a 20-13 to 13 victory over the Tennessee Titans. I said the key going into this game was whichever quarterback is going to perform better through the air is going to win this game. Uh, and, I mean, it was a slim margin, but there's really, you know, no argument that Lamar Jackson outplayed Ryan Tannehill through the air. Seven for 24, 179 yards and a touchdown, where it's Ryan Tannehill, 18 of 26 for 165 yards uh, and a touchdown and interception. I mean, the Titans got out to a hot start in this game and literally lost all momentum the rest of the way through. Uh, I thought the Ravens did a great job, fantastic job of stifling Derrick Henry, 18 carries for 40 yards. Um, really couldn't break out any big run whatsoever. Uh, he had an eight-yard carry. That was his best of the game. Uh, I wish they would have gotten the ball to A.J. Brown more. I think that's their guy, um, you know, the, the the big play threat. They didn't have a lot of Corey Davis out there. I'm not sure if he was injured or whatever the case was, but it didn't seem like they were going to him enough. But Ravens defense played well. Lamar ran for 16 carries, 136 yards, a nice 48-yard touchdown that really you know, mentally got them back in the game, not so much of just, uh, you know, actually putting them within uh, or tying up the game, but, but you, you could feel the tide was shifting on that run uh, and they, and they cruised the rest of the way through. I mean, for this Titans team, it begs the question, you know, is it, was this just a one year wonder last year, or is this a strategy that they can continue to go to Uh, Derek Henry? We say this every year, but he's getting older. He turns 28 next season. Um, or no, he just turned 27. So he he he's he just turned 27. Um, but there's still you know miles uh, that are on those tires. Uh, you know another 2,000 yard season. But the carries that come with it are 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 hard to ignore. Um, so is Ryan Tannehill continue going to be the answer? I mean, we look at his 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 playoff game from last season. He was nine of 18 with I think you know under 100 yards, and it, it was Derrick Henry that really carried that team. Derrick Henry's not effective. Is Ryan Tannehill going to do enough against real, legit playoff defenses, playoff opponents? That's a real question that I don't I don't think the answer is yes. Uh, but for the Ravens and Lamar, they can just focus on playing their game. Uh, uh, props to them, first off, for, for not abandoning what got them there in the first place and running Lamar Jackson enough times. They got J.K. Dobbins going. They got Gus Edwards going. All three of those guys averaged over four and a half yards of carry. And as a team, rushed for 236 yards. So credit to them moving on to the next round. And uh, I, I like that they stuck to the game plan. I like that they continued to to run Lamar um, on the ground and, and, and create opportunities that way. Now, the Nickelodeon game, the one that we were all waiting for, not necessarily because the teams that were playing in it, but because it was on Nickelodeon. I, I didn't watch the game on Nickelodeon. I watched the highlights. Uh, and it looked pretty cool. Shout out to Mitch Trubisky, the first MVP, which is Nickelodeon value, Nickelodeon's valuable player, as voted on by the fans. Uh, prestigious award, one of its kind, uh, and the first ever winner, Mitch Trubisky, 19 to 29, 199 yards and a touchdown. That touchdown came as time expired, but 
I mean, look, this is what the, we expected from the Bears. They kind of limped into the playoffs. Um, and once they got there, they had to play, you know, one of the best teams in the NFL, and they looked exposed. Mitch Trubisky struggled to really get the ball moving down the field. Uh, I, I think at one point they had seven straight drives that ended in, punt, uh, in punts, which you're not going to get points that way. Don't need me to tell you that. Um, but for the Saints, this was kind of getting their footing back. I think they looked good at times. Alvin Kamara, 23 carries, 99 yards, and a touchdown. Drew Brees had a, a great outing, 28-39, 265, and two touchdowns. He got going again with Michael Thomas, who also caught a touchdown in this one. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, this is this is not a great win, but I feel like you could see the wheels turning. You could see the chemistry getting back, um, and you could see how dangerous these Saints can be when everybody's healthy and everybody's on the field playing together. Uh, I mean, the defense is dominant as it will continue to be, uh, but if the offense can match that level of production, this is the reason why I had them as my Super Bowl pick going into the year. And if they can continue to play at this high level uh, and going up against a Tampa Bay team who they've continually beat over you know their their last two games they're not they're not close competitions these are full-on you know blowouts uh you, you have to like the looks of these saints uh especially once they make it to the championship game anything can happen uh and then finally the last game the browns against the steelers the browns jumped out to a 28 to 0 lead in the first quarter which was an absolute insane number uh first off shout out to ben roethlisberger second quarterback in nfl history uh, to to throw for 500 yards in the playoffs. If anybody can guess who was the first, I'll give them a dollar. I'll give you about two seconds here. It was Tom Brady in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. Both of those games and losses, uh, something to think about. But 48 of 67, 501 yards, four touchdowns, uh, and the four picks that were what really sunk this team. Um, ben Roethlisberger had five turnovers. One was a fumble, first play of the game. Um, that that ultimately, you know, you can't really blame him for, but, you know, it, it'll show up on the stat sheet there. The most interesting thing about this game to me was how often Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth said that it was, you know, you could feel momentum shifting going back and forth, when in reality, the Steelers never got within 11 points um, outside of, of, you know, when the game was 0-0. The final score was as close as it got since the, the Browns got their second touchdown. But they just kept talking about, man, this momentum's going back and forth. It could go either way, as you know, the, the Browns are sitting with a, a 42 to 29 lead with uh, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. And I understand, you know, it's the Browns, so there, there's always a chance they could screw it up. But this isn't the same Browns team. That's the reason why I have Stefanski's coach of the year. It's the reason why I have them going 11 and 5 and making the playoffs at the beginning of the season. This team is built to get leads early and put leads away uh, with their, their running game, which was on full display. Nick Chubb, 18 carries for 76 yards. You know, Kareem Hunt, 8 carries for 48 yards and 2 touchdowns. But what was very impressive to me was Baker's poise. I thought he looked really good. Did take a single sack tonight against one of the best pass rushing teams in the NFL against a uh, with a banged up offensive line. Was consistently finding receivers, moved really well in the pocket, and that's the reason they won the game. I mean, yes, all of the mistakes uh, really did compound on themselves for the Steelers. You know, you can't win a game throwing four interceptions uh, and, and giving up a defensive touchdown on the first play of the game. But you can't fault these these Browns for for building up to the opportunity and 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 putting this one away. I mean, they they got the monkey off their back. They won their first playoff game since what was it, 1995 or something like that. 
But yeah, all credit to them. I thought they did a a really good job. And uh, but now they get to, you know their consolation prize is probably one of the worst or their 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 prize for winning this game is probably the worst of all. Uh, and it's that they go get to go play the Chiefs. You know, so it, it's really a, a lose lose there any way you shake it. Uh, but they got there. They got to the divisional round. That's what counts. Let's look ahead at the uh, divisional round games next week coming up. We'll start with those in order too. Rams and Packers. Packers open up as seven-point favorites. And I'd like to err on the side of caution here. I mean, there's a reason why the, the Rams are playing in this game. It's because of that defense. Uh, the Packers' defense is not great. They're not game, game wreckers by any means. The Rams' defense is. The Packers are also without David Bakhtiari, uh, their star left tackle. But when it comes down to it, Aaron Rodgers is the MVP for a reason. Devontae Adams is one of the best wide receivers in football for a reason. And they've got Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Jamal Williams, whoever they want to throw at you, uh, are, are very effective running the ball. If this was a healthy Jared Goff, I think this game's a different story. If this was the Jared Goff we saw from you know week 8 to week 12, uh, that's a dangerous guy. Right, but th- this isn't the same. This is a guy who's coming off of, of thumb surgery. A guy who, even if he's healthy and ready to go, McVeigh might like Wolford better if he can go. There, there were talks about Wolford maybe starting over Goff even with a thumb injury. So this is this just goes to show what we've seen from him. Uh, he's a great play action passer, but his lack of mobility really, really burns him. Um, at minus seven, though, I like the Rams to cover. I'm taking the Rams plus seven just because their defense can keep them in a number of games, but they're going to have to get to the quarterback. They're going to have to force a couple turnovers wherever they can uh, and, and you know, keep this one a low-scoring game. Their offense is not designed to win shootouts. Uh, if they can hold them to under 20 points, they win this game. I don't think that's happening. I like the Rams plus seven, but I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go Packers 24, Rams 20. Next up, we got the Ravens. Bills. Bills open up as three-point favorites. I mean, look, I thought at first that it was weird that the Ravens were the favorites going into this Tennessee game, and they went out and won it. Uh, and now I'm looking at this minus three, and it's like, well, I feel like that's a little, uh, you know, not enough for these Bills, who are the hottest team in football, um, and have dominated every team they've come across. Their last loss was on a Hail Mary. That's what it takes to beat them. Uh, but all of this gives me pause, although I'm still going to go Bills minus three. I think the defense has played a lot better as of late. I think they have playmakers that are able to slow down Lamar Jackson and keep him from getting deep and really gashing holes with his legs against this defense. And honestly, Josh Allen is just so talented. He's so dang good at football that I don't know how the Rams are going to slow him down. I like the Bills minus three. I think the Bills hit 30 points uh, and, and and keep the pedal on the floor. I like it. Bills 31, Ravens 20. Um, next game up, Browns Chiefs. There's no line for this one set um, as of yet. So we'll have to see. Let me look and see if I can find it while I'm talking about it. Um, but the first place I looked did not have it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this Chiefs team has has kept games too close. Depends on who you ask, but they've kept games too close over these last few weeks. So it's, I want to see a convincing win from them. You know, like there are a lot of guys that have them going to the Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, I, I, I have them making it as well, but you have to close out on these games uh, and, and win with some conviction. And now I'm looking at this line here. The Chiefs open up as 10 point favorites. I don't know if I like that. That's a lot of points to lay. For as good as this Chiefs team has been, uh, the Browns look pretty good too. 
So I think this is a big confidence booster game for the Chiefs. I think they do need to win by double digits. I think they're going to win, but I don't think it'll be by double digits. Um, the Browns defense is not great, but I think the Browns offense is built to keep pace with them, right? Like they can beat you in a variety of ways. Uh, and for as, as many playmakers as the Chiefs defense have, I feel like they haven't put it together this season and aren't playing at that top level. Um, so uh, let me actually look and see what the over-under set at this one too, because 56, I mean, that tells you all you need to know. Four and a half points higher than any other uh, any other team, any other game that's going on this divisional round weekend. I mean, I like the over in this one. I think both there's a good chance both teams get to 30. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs 35 to 28. Finally, the last game, the uh, third game in a series between the Bucks and the Saints, in which, like I said, the Saints have manhandled for most of the season. Uh, the Saints are getting a rhythm back. I mentioned it. Against the Bears, you could see the pieces are starting to click together. They've had to be without Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, or Alvin Kamara for, for different parts of the season. So in terms of you know how it all fits within the offense, it, we, we haven't seen them at, at their full strength yet. And I think this is the game that we get to see them go on a bit of a run. I mean, uh, it may not be a 38-3 to game, but it's going to be pretty darn close. Like that, that was one of the few games that we were actually able to see um, all three of those guys on the field together. And they weren't even, they weren't even dominating. You know, it, it wasn't even really the offense per se, but it was built out through the defense. Uh, and, and that's going to be the key to this game. Again, the defense is going to dictate the flow. Um, I think they're going to get to Tom Brady who struggles when he, when he faces that pressure. Uh, and and for as great as he's got the uh, and and those offensive weapons are around him, I don't think it's going to be enough for him. I think he's really going to struggle. Um, and this is a game where you you want to take an alternate line. I'd take an alternate line. I'd take the Saints minus eight in this one. I I feel that confident about them them winning and them winning big. I think it's going to be by double digits. Uh, and I think we really see the Bucks exposed again. Uh, so I'm I'm going Saints twenty eight. Buccaneers 17. But that will do it for this week's episode. Um, I mean, there are so many rumors that are, you know, just kind of circul cir uh, circulating in the offseason that we're going to get to in a big way. We're going to talk about all these coaching hires. We're going to talk about the the Watson to Tua trade that is is somewhat in the works here. But that'll be for another episode. We'll get some people on here uh, and, and get you the best news, the best information, and the best opinions that we possibly can, because that's what we're all about here at the Knock and Lie podcast. But thank you for everyone who's hanging with me. I'm excited for the divisional round. See you next week.